a revolutionary baby monitor is born. I want to introduce you to a brand new baby monitor, Massimo Stork. Massimo Stork Baby Monitor tracks health indicators so you can get to know your baby better. Track your baby's pulse rate, oxygen saturation, and skin temperature with the high-resolution video and clear two-way audio from the Stork app. While Massimo Stork Baby Monitor is new, Massimo Signal Extraction Technology, or SET to be exact, has been trusted in hospitals for over 25 years. In fact, 9 out of 10 top U.S. hospitals, as ranked in the 2022-2023 U.S. News & World Report, uses Massimo SET as their primary pulse oximetry technology. Now, this technology is available for families at home, empowering confident parenting. Go to Massimo Stork to learn more. Please remember, Mosmo Stork is not meant to be used as a medical device. Hi, everyone. I'm Deb Flaschenberg. Welcome to Yoga Birth Babies, a podcast produced by Prenatal Yoga Center. We will be diving into everything prenatal yoga, birth, and baby-related, hoping to inspire, educate, and empower you through your journey into motherhood. Thank you for listening. Hi, I'm Deb Flaschenberg. I'm your host of Yoga Birth Babies. And today we have a really beautiful birth story that I'm so excited for you to hear. I don't want to go too into the details in the intro because I want you to hear how the story unfolds from my guest. But one thing to think about as you're maybe going through your own pregnancy or birth experience is the importance of a flexible mind. Just in class yesterday, I had a student, Colleen, who was feeling very tight in her hips and concerned that that's going to affect how she gives birth. And I was saying, you don't need necessarily a flexible body, but a flexible mind. And my guest, Ricky, really demonstrates that as she worked with the twists and turns and had a really beautiful experience. You'll hear her talk about, even though it wasn't the birth she envisioned, it was beautiful and supportive and peaceful. And I think that makes a huge difference. And it's something I'm really excited that she's going to talk about. Let me tell you a little bit about my guest. So she has a Danish name. I'm going to try not to butcher, but I probably am. Uh, Ricky Kierkegaard. She is originally from Denmark. She lives in New York City and has since 2019 with her Italian husband. And I love the story. She met him in a youth hostel in Mexico back in 2010. And they got married in a cocktail bar in Melbourne on her 30th birthday. She works for UNICEF and she has been, she's toured Tanzania uh, and all over the world for the last four years. Um, and I'm really excited for you to hear Ricky's story. I'm not going to go too much in, more into detail because she shares everything so beautifully. But before we get to Ricky's story, I just want to talk about what's happening at Prenatal Yoga Center. So we're still working and offering our classes seven days a week online, six days a week in studio. And my vision of having matching classes of all our workshops that are in person are online is has come to fulfillment. So if you can't make any of our workshops that we offer, check out our on-demand library for that. I'm not going to go too much more into detail because there's so much you can look at on our website and I know you want to get to the story. But before we do that, I want to just talk about last two things happening at PYC. And I almost said this year because as a mom of two school-age kids, 
I think of everything as a school year. My year begins in September and ends in June, and then we have the summer, which is kind of a free-for-all. So as we kind of wrap up this school year, we've got one in-person prenatal yoga teacher training and then one postpartum postnatal yoga at the end of May. So if you're someone that wants to support the perinatal community, check this out. We go so much more in depth than just what poses to offer, what asanas to offer. We really look at the whole person. How do we support someone through the ups and downs, the turbulence? How do we see them for where they are and help them have the birth that they envision? And then on the other side, support someone as they're recovering, recouping, and finding this new footing as a parent. So if that resonates with you, check out our website, prenatalyogacenter.com and look at our teacher trainings. Okay. The last thing I want to do is just simply thank you. Thank you for being part of our community. Thank you for being a listener. I'm excited for you to hear the story. We're going to take a super quick break. When we come back, enjoy Ricky's birth story. A revolutionary baby monitor is born. I want to introduce you to a brand new baby monitor, Massimo Stork. Mosmo Stork Baby Monitor tracks health indicators so you can get to know your baby better. Track your baby's pulse rate, oxygen saturation, and skin temperature with the high-resolution video and clear two-way audio from the Stork app. While Mosmo Stork Baby Monitor is new, Mosmo Signal Extraction Technology, or SET to be exact, has been trusted in hospitals for over 25 years. In fact, 9 out of 10 top U.S. hospitals, as ranked in the 2022-2023 U.S. News & World Report, uses Mosmo SET as their primary pulse oximetry technology. Now this technology is available for families at home, empowering confident parenting. Go to Mosmo Stork to learn more. Please remember, Mosmo Stork is not meant to be used as a medical device. Hi, Ricky. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm doing great. I am so excited. So, <laughs> listeners, let's kind of give you the heads up. We have tried like five different ways to start this. My normal Zencaster wasn't recording. Now we're in Zoom with multiple headphones. So, yay, we're finally going to get to hear Ricky's birth story. Woo-hoo! All right. So, uh, before we jump into your story, I want to learn a little bit more about you. First of all, will you tell me how to properly pronounce your name because my American tongue is not doing a good job with your Danish name. Don't worry, you're not the only one. So in Danish, it's Vagir, but I'm universally known as Ricky. <laughs> okay, so Ricky it is. All right, so tell me a little bit about yourself. Okay, well, I'm from Denmark. Um, I came to New York around five years ago with my husband, who I met in a youth hostel in Mexico back in 2010. Uh, we did long distance for almost seven years, and then I moved to Tanzania working for UNICEF, which I'm still working for. And he finally followed me in Tanzania. We moved to New York together um, to start our family here. And we finally had our baby daughter in April last year. Oh my goodness. I love that story. And it's so unique. I will always remember that. So let's jump into, I guess, your pregnancy journey. So I know your pregnancy journey was tough in the beginning. Would you mind sharing your experience and then when you finally arrived at Prenatal Yoga Center? Yes, absolutely. So we started trying um, in at the end of 2020. Fortunately, it didn't take too long. So I fell pregnant for the first time in February 2021. Unfortunately, that turned out to be a pregnancy of unknown location. Uh, my doctor felt pretty certain that it was an ectopic pregnancy, so I had to take um, a shot of something to get rid of it, and then we had to wait 
three months before we could try again. Um, then after that pregnancy, after waiting the three months, I thankfully got pregnant again on the first try and everything looked great. Um, so we got towards the end of the first trimester. I had my NIPT, everything looked normal. It was a bore. So we're thinking, okay, it was just the first hiccup. Um, went back to Denmark to visit family. And then when I came back for a checkup at 16 weeks, it was a missed miscarriage. Um, and apparently it has stopped growing more or less after my last scan at 12 weeks. So I'd walk around with a dead baby inside for that month. Oh. So um, had a DNC and then we were just eager to start trying again. I think partially maybe also just process, like if I get pregnant again quickly, it will all be better. So I got pregnant again on the first shots after having had my first period. And I found out the day before we were traveling to Mexico for a wedding. So since I'd had the exotic pregnancy, every time I got pregnant, we had to go in very quickly to make sure that it was in the right location. So we had to go to a doctor in Mexico. Um, and I had this really bad pain on one side. So it turned out that I had a big cyst, but at least, you know, it was a pregnancy inside the uterus. Everything looked great. Came back to New York and went to my doctor. And from the beginning of that pregnancy, things weren't looking very good. My progesterone was very low. I had the big cyst. Um, the yolk sac was big. There were just a lot of things. So I thought from the beginning, like, this is an honor miscarriage. It's not happening. But then every week, thankfully, my doctor was very kind and let us come um, to very frequent checkups because both of us were just so nervous. We got to the same point. Um, where the last pregnancy had stopped growing. So I asked, can I have an extra check? Uh, so we went in at the end of 11 weeks. Everything looked perfectly normal. Had the NIPT. It was again normal. It was another boy. So I was thinking, okay, you know, maybe I'm just one of those stories where everything looks terrible, but in the end, they were both out all right. And then we went to the nuchal translucency scan at the hospital. And then the same thing had happened, um, that it was a mis miscarriage and the fetus had stopped growing. Literally in those few days between the two scans. Wow. Yeah. Then, um, so that was three losses in one year, less than one year. So I looked for a pregnancy uh, loss support group and met some people there and just took some time to process everything and spent more or less just six months doing tests, like all the tests you can imagine, biopsy, hysterectomy everything um, and end up finding an MFM that I think is considered a little bit controversial, um, but he was looking into immune factors and different kind of blood clotting factors that are not part of like the standard uh, recurrent pregnancy loss panel. And he at least found some things that he thought would explain it. So not one reason, but a lot of risk factors coming together um, could have given that outcome. Um, so then I got pregnant again after six months and everything looked normal. Um, we got past the first trimester was a girl. And I think for both of us, I felt a bit like, okay, maybe it was, a, it was something related to boys and would the girl be different? And then we got to the anatomy scan and they found some fetal calcifications in her liver. So just as we thought, like, we're finally there. We can finally start believing in it. Then they found something else and we had to go through more tests. Um, I had an MRI 
Uh, and then we were scheduled for an amniocentesis because everything was normal, but they were like the last thing, you know, that you can consider when we find something not normal in, uh, in scans is if it's a genetic factor, so you can consider doing an amniocentesis. And so I had actually scheduled that. And then the same morning, we just agreed, like, no, no, we, we can't do it. Like, we just, both of, I was first of all, so far into the pregnancy, like, even if they found something, I don't think we could terminate it. And then I just felt that the pregnancy was so fragile and it finally come so far. So, you know, of course, I would be the one and whatever that ends up having in this carriage because of an amnio. So we canceled that amnio. And then I think after that, there was sort of the decision, okay, we're so far, almost the, the third trimester, this is happening. I can allow myself to be pregnant and enjoy it. And that's when I came to the prenatal yoga center and let myself do prenatal yoga. Oh, wow. That must have been, I know we're going to hear your birth story, but just trying to process this of, being amongst so many other pregnant folks and allowing yourself to feel a part of that after so many losses and then waiting to be like, okay, I, I can really be here. That must have been so many emotions. Like the, just the word huge is because you're letting, you allowed yourself to then be in that community surrounded by so many people that also didn't know your story and background. Wow. Yeah, it was uh, it was quite intense um, and quite a relief in a way yeah. to finally be like, okay, I am pregnant. I'm almost there. I'm allowed to enjoy it. I'm allowed to be yeah. visible. Like I, I didn't tell anyone, so I was six months pregnant. Like I was very small, no one could see. So that was literally the only place where I told anyone out loud, like, hey, I'm pregnant. That's exciting. And thank you for being part of our community for that. So with several losses behind you, how are you feeling throughout the pregnancy? Because I know it like it took you a beat to get to be like, okay, everyone, I'm pregnant. <laughs> how did you, I guess, cope with all of that? Cope with the waiting until you felt safe and then cope with, I don't know, maybe I'm projecting the anxiety about waiting to get to the end to like have baby in your arms no but you're right i think i felt a little bit of that anxiety until the end so thankfully physically i had a very good pregnancy i mean i was on a very intense treatment protocol so you know i had to inject myself with the uh, lovenox a blood thinner twice a day i had to take some different medicine so it was always a bit in my face but at least physically, like I was not very nauseous. Uh, I didn't have a lot of, of complaints. So I was able to stay very active and continue living my life. And I think for me, it was incredibly important to be physically active and to keep going about my things. I, I felt like if this is going to end up in another pregnancy loss, I don't want to have put everything on pause. Because I felt like I had spent the majority of the year before being pregnant all the time and not eating my unpasteurized cheese and not having my wine and all of this for nothing. So right. I think I just felt like, okay, I will just keep on going keep, and do the things that I do. And, and that really helped me. So I actually, I danced like 10 to 15 hours per week throughout my pregnancy. I went to yoga. I did my last dance class 36 hours before giving birth. Oh my so, God, I love that. 
<laughs> I think that was really therapeutic for me. Um, like, I, I think I just had a lot of FOMO as well, but it kind of helped me just to do things. We went on a hiking trip to Utah when I was seven months pregnant. Oh, wow. So I think all of this that helped me, um, clearly because all of my losses were discovered on scans. I never felt that anything was wrong. Every time we went to a scan, I was so nervous. And my husband came with me to every single appointment. Um, and I think I had, somehow I still thought until the end something was wrong. And I didn't even really think that there was a baby inside. I, I still kept thinking something will go wrong. But I think as we got closer to the end, I really started believing in it and I thought this is going to happen but I think just living my life not having a baby shower not um doing all of those preparations kind of kept me a bit sane I just needed to focus on other things right that makes total sense so then a fun twist um you found out your baby was breech. <laughs> surprise <laughs> so <laughs> so what was that like when you found out your baby was breech? well it was I mean, she was more or less breached the entire second half of my pregnancy. So it's not that I came to one scan and it's like, oh, of course she turned around. She was just She's never it. turned, yeah. She's never turned. And she seemed really, really comfortable in that position. And I remember going to some of your classes and, and speaking to people there. Ellen was like, don't worry. You know, you have plenty of time. It will happen. And I just had this feeling, no, she, I, I just don't think so. Um, so it was just more, you know, of course, of course, after all the other things, she also needs to be breached. So what were some of the things you tried to turn her? I think it's more what I didn't try. To turn her. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, I was hanging upside down. Like, it is, I mean, I know you did a lot. <laughs> yes, I think I spent the last two months of my pregnancy, maybe an hour or two every day doing things to make her turn. So I did acupuncture once a week. I went to the chiropractor twice a week. Um, my husband was burning moxa next to my pinky toe. Um, I was lying upside down doing spinning babies and we would like move heat and cold packs around my belly, play some music that I was listening a lot to. Like literally I tried everything. And I remember every time I was lying upside down on my sofa, I could just see her head like popping out of my belly, turning around from side to side, almost just mocking me. <laughs> <laughs> Wait till she's a teenager. Then she's really going to mock you. She's starting early. Oh my goodness. So I know you and I did have some time to connect about coming to grips with changing your vision. So I know a C-section was not how you envisioned your birth. How did you process and come to terms with this different birth option? I think, yes. I mean, I remember a few days after my last class, a few days after, uh, or a few days before giving birth, you came up to me and you're like, I'm, I'm sensing that you're not feeling great about what's about to happen. And I think for me, after, after everything, I just wanted to have this natural birth with my one hour, with the baby on the chest, and just immediately bond. Um, and I was just sure that a cesarean birth, um, would take that whole natural aspect away and I would have to wait for that moment. And so that was really hard for me. And I had an ECV scheduled twice and both times I canceled it. And I think that that 
maybe more than the cesarean birth, it was maybe the fact that that I couldn't go through with that. Somehow it was really difficult for me to process because I had fought so much and I had been through so much pain with my three losses and my pregnancy up until that point. And then something so stupid and, you know, I'd read all the papers, it was perfectly safe, but I just, I just couldn't do it. So that was just really, really hard for me to accept that because I, I didn't give that last try, that last shot. Um, I had to have a certain birth. So I think up until I gave birth, I hadn't really processed it, but I thought, okay, at some point, I just have to accept that this is what will happen. And so I listened to a lot of your podcasts, both on um, processing your birth story and C-sections. And I just thought, okay, I want to have a C-section. At least let me know where I can put my imprint. Let me prepare as much as I can. And it really helped both to understand what I was going into, um, speaking to other people about their experiences with a C-section and kind of some of the things that they had hoped and that they didn't get. Um, so, you know, I listened a lot about to stories about gentle C-sections or family-centered C-sections and wrote down um, a birth plan based on that. And thankfully, because it was a scheduled C-section, um, I had my OB and she'd been, you know, with me through at least my last two pregnancies. So she knew everything. And I think for her personally, it was really important to give me a good experience. Um, so by preparing the birth plan and kind of thinking, okay, at least I'm going to try and make it as good an experience as possible, that was really important. But then I think it wasn't until a while after I gave birth, I, in the end, I had a really positive experience. Um, and I think it just, it wasn't what I had expected. It was really positive. And I think just looking back and thinking, okay, I don't know what a, a vaginal birth would have been like, but I, I have a lot of friends that didn't have a particularly positive experience. I can't really say that I did. It was, it was very positive. It was just not what I had originally thought. But I think at least thinking I've done everything that I can and I've done everything that I can to shape that experience, that helped me. And then honestly, also now, um, looking at my daughter, I'm just thinking that there's no way she would ever have turned. Like, she is so stubborn. I, it just had to be like that. I think sometimes babies do know. I think they, for whatever reason, she just had this sense. Maybe it was how, yeah, I think babies know mm. how they need to be born. Like, I know that sounds so corny, but I think we need to put a little trust. Like, I've had clients and students that have had the ECV and the babies turn head down and then the baby went back. And that's what would have happened, I'm sure. I think that that's just how she needed to be born. Yeah, and so I completely now, I'm like, okay, it's it just, that's how it had to be. I completely agree. Okay, I want to hear a birth story, but before we do that, we're going to take a super quick break. When we come back, I want to hear your story. All right, we'll be right back. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. 
Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, so we are back. So let's hear the whole story. Because I love that you're saying it turned out to be a positive story. So I'm all yours. All right. Well, we went to check up um, at 38 weeks. And up until that point, you know, I planned to do the ECV. So I didn't have a date for any planned C-section. So we went to this appointment. And my OB was like, okay, well, um, next Thursday. So both of us were like, oh, oh no, <laughs> we're, we're not ready. And we looked up the date. My husband, for some reason, he's really obsessed with, with dates. So he looked up important dates, like important uh historical figures that were born on April 20th, which it was supposed to be. And it was Adolf Hitler. <laughs> Started thinking, oh no, this is this is going to be terrible. Like we have one week, it's going to be Hitler's birthday. Like this, this is terrible. Um, but then we went home, had a day of processing. We're like, okay, this, look at the bright side. She's coming back. She's coming out one week early. Like I was still anxious. Let's just think. We have one week and she will be with us. This is fantastic. Um, so we went back, um, prepared the birth story. And then because it was a planned C-section, it was very relaxed. I mean, the day before we went to the hospital, had my COVID test and blood test. And then the next morning, the it was scheduled for 11 a.m. So I had like a, a very long, nice sleep overnight. Took a taxi to the hospital, checked in for my baby, um, and they only had two scheduled C-sections that day. So everything was just super relaxed and chill. And my doctor came in and she said, hey, how are you doing? Let's get this little girl out. Um, everything was just very relaxed. And then, you know, we went to the, the OR and put anesthesia. My husband came in and he was able to sit on my side. Uh, throughout the, the surgery. And then the end, I mean, it's very quick. So I think I was under for 15 minutes and then the baby was out. And so I had asked, um, you know, if we could see the baby when she came out, if they could put the monitors on my side and not on my chest so that she could be put on my chest right away. I'd asked, you know, if we could do um, skin to skin. So I didn't have anything on my upper body. Uh, and then I had asked if they could delay, like whatever they could delay, they should delay. So no um, injections, no measurements, no nothing. And so she came out and we were a bit worried because, you know, you know of people also where they come out and, and they're not screaming and that's where it goes wrong. But I think she started screaming before they took her out. <laughs> <laughs> I could just hear that. And uh, my OB took her out showed me this girl and uh then they took her to the warmer and my husband went there and cut the cord and i just started crying it was just this very strange feeling like when i just saw her i felt sort of empty like okay so two and a half years later this is it and then i just started crying and 
then after three minutes, because my husband took a video when they put her on my chest. So we know that I didn't wait more than three minutes. And honestly, I spent three minutes crying. So probably it was even good that they waited those three minutes because I just, I needed a moment for myself. And then they put her on my chest and it was really, really magical because she was crying. And the moment they put her on my chest, she could recognize me and she became completely calm. And they did the same a little bit later. I don't know how long, maybe 15 minutes I spent, spent with her. They took her away to do some of the measurements, start crying, and they brought her back to me and she would calm down. And so in the end, obviously, we were in an operation theater. Um, it was cold, you know, but I still feel like I just had her on my chest the entire time. She was like, I couldn't really sit up, so I couldn't breastfeed. But, you know, she was stuck in my chin. My husband was there with me. Everyone was just so kind and understanding. And honestly, it was actually a really magical golden hour, even even if it was in that sense. Um, I love that. I so love that. Because I feel like, I've said this in other podcasts about uh, birth stories that are cesareans, but I feel like cesareans get like the, the evil stepsister. They're like, wah, wah, that's what, you know, but it was so thoughtful. Everything seems so thoughtful and it was empowering for you because you got to be there. You're headed, you know, aware. It just seems like it was a really positive, supportive place, especially based on how precarious things had been. Yes, I think that's exactly what it was. I had been through all this pain and then in the end the birth was not. I was rested. I was in a good place. There were people there that cared about me. Um, everyone took the time just to understand what we wanted. I mean, even when they came over um, to take her findings to the measurements, they asked, like, how long do you need? When can we? Mm, Is it now okay or do you want more time? Um, and I agree. I I had just not expected it to to be like that. I didn't think that it would be possible to have it like that. But when it's a scheduled C-section and everyone has time, you actually, you can. And that was really beautiful. And clearly that's the story that your daughter needed. And that's how it, oh, I love that. So if someone's listening right now and facing that different birth narrative, kind of like you had, you didn't really plan this. So maybe they're having, you know, something different than they planned. What would you say to them? I would say, based on my own experience and how I process it, that they should try, if they can, to let it go and try and enjoy the last moments of pregnancy. I think sometimes I even missed a little bit having a belly, and I didn't realize until after this, actually a very special time in one's life. Um, and I wish that maybe I had uh, had more time to enjoy it rather than being busy going to the chiropractor and lying upside down. Um, so I would say, you know, try and rather than spending your energy on trying to, to change that narrative, you should rather try and then spend that energy on shaping this new er narrative in the way that you would like to become not what you original thought but but something else that can also be beautiful i think that's so apropos for parenting like 
often fighting with our child and getting your child kind of showed this to you. <laughs> you were like, I'm turning you. And she's like, no, you're not. And then, you know, and accepting our kids as they are. And trust me, I'm not the best at this, but I try. But learning to work with what's presented in front of you instead of doing everything you can to, yeah. to fight it. And also now, I mean, eight months later, when I look back at everything, I mean, it was a small hiccup on the road, but it was not the end of the world. A C-section doesn't have to be this terrible thing. Um, I think, you know, especially in Europe where we do less C-sections, I think people perceive it as something extremely negative. Mm. But in, in the big picture, it's it's not. At least it wasn't yeah. Was she, when they took her out, did they notice was like the cord wrapped in a certain way? Was she jammed in there in a certain, no, nothing? No, I asked my OB at my postpartum visit and she said that she had really thought about it. She was curious. She couldn't find any explanation. Just stubborn. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. So tell me a little bit about how's postpartum been? It's been, I think it's been really good. Um, the first six weeks I found quite tough um, just because I had some issues with um, lactation in the beginning to start breastfeeding she couldn't latch on and so in the end the lactation consultants in the hospital put me on this triple feeding plan um, and she was just very inefficient so I felt like the first six to eight weeks I was just sitting with my breast out the entire day either breastfeeding her or 45 minutes and then topping off with some pump milk and then pumping. I had to do that every time. So I found that quite exhausting. Um, but thankfully, she started sleeping through the nights on her own at 10 weeks. So we've actually been able to sleep and my husband is working from home. So from the beginning, we were able to share the responsibilities quite a bit. So I've had very few of those days where you feel like everything is burning. I'm ready to throw my baby out the window. Like I, I felt like I, I really enjoyed it. Um, and she's been very, I mean, she's very social and she's smiling a lot and it's very agreeable. So we've just been able to, to bring her along to a lot of things and, and meet people and just enjoy it. So I've, I've really had a wonderful time, actually. Almost sad to be back to work because <laughs> it's been so so great to have this time with her do you ever look at her and just think like wow I needed to get past those other obstacles to get to meet you that you know to your daughter do you ever think that yes I think it often I think I mean both sometimes when I look at her I feel a bit like that emoji with with the the hard eyes, the hard eyes yeah. <laughs> my heart is sort of popping out of my eyes but Often I look at her and I think, but she is just so perfect. I had not in my wildest dreams thought that I could have a baby that was so perfect. So sometimes I think, well, maybe all of this just had to lead me to her. Yeah. Yeah. I had two miscarriages between my kids and my daughter who just makes me laugh and smile. And I have such admiration for her. She is spicy and fun and just everything. I look at her and I'm like, I'm so glad that you are who you are. And I had to pass those other beings had to not, it sounds awful, survive to get to me, get to who I have. Yeah. I feel the same way. I mean, she doesn't, I think a lot of people 
that haven't experienced miscarriages themselves think that once you have a baby afterwards, that will sort of cancel out all of the pain and that will make you forget. And I think, at least for me, I will I will never forget that. I will get past the pain. I would rather have been without the pain. But I have to say that now that I have her, it kind of, everything comes a bit together. I think, you know, I still feel the pain when I think back. But I also think that she is so precious and she's such a gift and I couldn't have imagined anyone better. So maybe that's just how it had to be for me, just as her birth had to be the way it was. This is just how it all had to happen. Oh, what a great way of digesting all that. Okay, we're going to take another break. When we come back, what is one final tip or piece of advice you would like to offer new and expectant parents? Okay, we'll be right back. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Okay, we are back. <laughs> So what is one final tip or piece of advice you'd like to offer new and expectant parents? It can really be anything because you've really had quite a journey. I mean, like in this one conversation, we've talked about miscarriage. We've talked about breech babies and accepting that. We've Mm -hmm. talked about positive cesareans. We've talked about some difficulty with lactation. I mean, (laughs) you kind of, you you have a lot to share. So (laughs) what do you want to do? Um. I thought a lot about this. Uh, and I think what my one piece of advice, it's actually, it's, it's very simple, but I just noticed that a lot of couples um, feel like they have to pass through all the pain together. So more or less everyone knows, both of them sleep in the bedroom with the, with the newborn and none of them sleep. Maybe the newborn sleeps on occasion, but that's still the person. And we just thought from the beginning that it would be better to divide and conquer and make sure because both of us are very light sleepers and both of us become zombies when we go to sleep. So we thought that at least we had to, to do the terms. And so because I was forced to start pumping from the beginning, my husband could give our baby a, a bottle from the beginning. So we actually, the first eight weeks, had what we now look or call the baby boot camp. So we divided the nights into two shifts. So one person um, slept from 9 p.m. to 3 a.m. And then we switched at 3 a.m. to 9 a.m. So the person sleeping would be in the bedroom. And then the other person would be on the sofa um, with the baby in a bassinet somewhere. And at least for us, also with our experience being so anxious, I mean, I'm sure that all parents are super anxious when they when they go back from the hospital. But maybe we were even more anxious after our our experience. So the fact that that I could take six solid hours of consolidated sleep every night, knowing that the baby was safe with my husband, that really made a difference. Because when we were all trying to sleep together, we would just be thinking about, you know, what are those sounds? Is she rolling over to her belly? Like we we just we couldn't calm down. But having that sort of division where like you're taking care of her I'm taking care of me now I think that's 
what really helped us get through um, that first newborn periods, um, you know, both keeping it all together, but also enjoying, like having the, the energy to enjoy. I love that. I actually have not heard people doing that. I mean, maybe they have, and I just haven't heard, but six hours for a newborn, that's a pretty good chunk of sleep to get. It is. Oh my gosh, it that's is. amazing. It was hard because we, we couldn't do things in the evening, but... Yeah. Oh, wow. I like that. All right, listeners, you let me know if you like that too, because I like that. Oh, Ricky, I've so enjoyed this conversation. I appreciate your openness and your vulnerability to share of these challenges. And again, I want to thank you because not only do I appreciate you opening up, but I think there's so many other people out there that have experienced at least one of the things you've experienced. Mm -hmm. You've had quite a gamut. And it makes, I think, people feel not so alone and hearing you and how you got to the other side, I think can be really inspirational for those that are in the turbulence of it. So thank you for being part of our community and for your willingness to share. It really means a lot to me. Thank you for having me. You're so welcome. This has been an episode of Yoga Birth Babies produced by Prenatal Yoga Center. You can catch us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Periscope. I'm Deb Flaschenberg. Thanks for listening. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.